What's going on, everyone, and welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside you here on Thursday, August 19th. And tonight, folks, we get to talk about a Cardinals victory as St. Louis defeated the Milwaukee Brewers by a score of 8-4 in the third game of the midweek series at Busch Stadium tonight. John Lester on the hill for the Cardinals, but it was the offense that really found its footing and made their mark on this game. It took three games for the Cardinals' bats to come alive and really make any sort of mark on this series, but it happened on Thursday. Thank goodness it did. The Cardinals would have risked, they wouldn't have risked it, I should say. It would have happened that they would have fallen 13 games behind the Brewers in the NL Central had they lost this game. With the victory, they salvage one game from the series. They avoid the sweep, and they end up just 11 games back of Milwaukee. So, yeah, that's fine. Everything's fine here. It's like the the meme with the dog and everything's on fire. This is fine. I don't even know what that's from, but you know the meme I'm talking about. It's kind of where the Cardinals are with regard to the division standings. But you can take all the fire away when you look at the wild card standings because it really is still fine for the Cardinals from that perspective. You look at the San Diego Padres Still clinging to that last wild card spot, but not by much. The Cincinnati Reds have actually closed the gap, and they're just one game behind San Diego in those wild card standings. And that's just as well for the Cardinals because Cardinals still get to play the Reds more often, I believe, than they do the Padres. They have one series remaining against San Diego, I believe at least a couple against the Reds, one that kind of closes out the month of August and will introduce us to the month of September. The Cardinals trail the Reds by two and a half. That means they're trailing the San Diego Padres by three and a half games. Three in a row for the Padres that they have lost. That's allowed the Cardinals, despite not having a very good series against the Brewers, to actually pick up ground in the standings. So division standings, it doesn't look great for the Cardinals. They're still in third. The Reds are still playing pretty good baseball. Decent enough, anyway, to close the gap on the struggling Padres within the wildcard context. 11 games back, it's not where the Cardinals wanted to be when they started the series against Milwaukee because each game you win means you don't lose it, and so you essentially pick up two games for every win against the Brewers, and because they only got one, they lose one game. But it could have easily been a series in which you finished up just nine back, or if they had gone really crazy and swept it themselves, seven back of Milwaukee. So... A lot of swinging is possible when you look at the standings there in the midst of a head-to-head with the team you're chasing. Now, the Cardinals have the benefit of playing the Milwaukee Brewers plenty more times. More than likely, though, you probably split those games. You know, if they go 5-5 five and five or 4-6 and six or 6-4, six and four, it's hard to make much of a mark, and that probably would be the death knell to the Cardinals' divisional hopes this season. But, hey, the wild card's out there. And we have a chance to talk about a win tonight, so we're going to do exactly that. We mentioned the final score, 8-4. to four. The Cardinals defeat the Brewers tonight. What an epic performance by this offense. The breakout game that they had been looking for, you knew it was going to be tough to come by in this series because of the caliber of starting pitching you would face on the other side. Brandon Woodruff, though, did not have his best night. Five innings, eight hits, Six earned runs, and the Cardinals got to him as the game went along. It was in that fifth inning that they finally struck gold, and it was Tyler O'Neill and Lars Newtbar going back-to-back for St. Louis. How about that kid? 
able to make his mark in the starting lineup right now. Dylan Carlson's not healthy. He's on the injured list, and so there's uh, an opening. There's opportunity that would not have otherwise existed. And Lars Newbar, when he's getting the chances right now, taking advantage of them, his third home run of the season coming on Thursday night. My opinion, get Lars Newtbar in there every day until Dylan returns. I know you've got other guys you'd like to get opportunities for. Jose Rondon has performed well in his limited chances. Sometimes they might have the inkling to put Tommy Edmond in the outfield to maybe sneak Edmundo Sosa or Matt Carpenter in the lineup. I get it. But Lars Newtbar has more upside, I think, than any of those players. And he might, offensively, we're talking about. You know, Edmundo Sosa, we, we kind of have grown to understand what he brings to the plate, brings to the table, especially on the defensive side, but just in general, a, a quality player. But Lars Newtbar, I think, wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you like to know what you have in him? Because, sure, he could end up being a, a, a serviceable fourth outfielder. Or what if he's a guy? Like, what if he's a dude who, if given the opportunity, would be a 20 to 25 home run guy in the big leagues, would be, you know, a 750 to 800 OPS guy in the big leagues, or perhaps even better? Like, maybe Lars Newtbar has something here. He definitely plays with some great energy and just turned on that ball and whacked it out to right field tonight. I believe it landed in the bullpen, and that was the second half of a back-to-back that was started by Tyler O'Neill. A three-run shot that was absolutely crushed to dead center field. A three-run homer for Mr. O'Neill. He had a nice night. He continues to hit the ball pretty well. That OPS is stabilizing. 860 for Tyler O'Neill and a 274 Batting average, I think that's kind of where he's going to settle in, to just be an above-average quality big league hitter, a guy who hits for power, who does legitimate damage because he just hits the ball so gosh darn hard. 21 home runs for him now on the season. And, yeah, it was it was him and Newt Barr combining to basically knock Woodruff out of this game. I guess he did finish that fifth inning because he goes five innings, gives up six. But just a tremendous effort by the Cardinals offense in that inning to finally have a breakthrough, right? You know, they've had these at-bats where you can look and say, yeah, they're taking quality at-bats and the plate approach is correct and they're they're grinding away, et cetera, et cetera. This is the big leagues, though. When you don't get the results, it's really hard to hang your hat on very much. And tonight the Cardinals were able to finally, against the Milwaukee Brewers, find some results. And it looked a little bit more like what you saw with the offense over the previous week and a half when they were playing lesser competition. But this time they actually did it against somebody I would consider to be a Cy Young candidate, at least before tonight. Brandon Woodruff with the ERA below two and a half entering this game. A guy who has been dominant at times this year for the Brewers. The record only 7-7, seven and seven, but we don't really pay as much attention to win, win-loss record. Even after the outing, his ERA still remains under 2.5 at 2.48. And it wasn't his best night. So that just goes to show how well he had pitched previous to Thursday evening in the shellacking the Cardinals put on him at Bush Stadium. And really, from an all-around perspective, you've got to be impressed by the way the entire Cardinals lineup was able to produce tonight. Tommy Edmond, Tommy Two Bags back at it once again. And honestly, he was credited with two doubles. The play by Yelich and then Lorenzo Kane there in left, left center field was a comedy of errors, and it was just multiple errors. So I think that's why Edmund ends up, and maybe they only charged him with one error. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, there was only one error in the game. I'm sure it was on that play. But Edmund ends up at third base, maybe could have scored a little league home run sort of deal. The ball gets by Yelich, and then Kane goes to pick it up. It was just, it was at that point that I tweeted, who replaced the Brewers with the Pirates? 
Like, how did they how did they make that swap and nobody noticed? Uh, but uh, uncharacteristic, perhaps, of what we've seen of some quality baseball by the Brewers. But the Cardinals will freaking take it after getting beat in some devastating fashions, game one and game two of this series. And so just goes to show you, though, Tommy Edmond with two doubles hit the ball well tonight. Goldschmidt continuing to heat up a little bit. He's back to 800 for his OPS. And Nolan Arenado, nice bounce back after a frustrating game for him the, the night previous with getting ejected and the check swings call, the check swing calls at home plate, I should say, pardon me. And he has a couple of base hits tonight. Ends up driving in two runs for the Cardinals. His OPS at 830. So you've got goalie Arenado O'Neill now at 800 or above. Lars Newtbar, by the way, there as well. He was in the five-hole tonight, and he's at 801. So, yeah, I, I don't know what kind of player he's going to be, but I, I sure would like to find out. I think the Cardinals should basically feel the same way about that. So it was good to see, especially those those guys that you rely upon near the top of the lineup. And Tommy Edmond basically has been kind of forced back into the de facto leadoff job with the absence of Carlson on the injured list right now. And he's he's rising to the occasion. Does a nice job tonight. DeYoung and Bader, not a whole lot to write home about for them offensively. They both do reach base via walk, but three strikeouts between the two of them. Bader has legitimately fallen off, and, and we gave him a lot of praise for a long time, and he was hitting the ball really well and driving it to all fields and making consistent contact. Has not been the case as much recently, and so we do have to talk about it when, when things are going well and when they're not, and Listen, I was as much on the Harrison Bader bandwagon for what he was providing the Cardinals when he was doing it, but if he ends up being a guy that's even OPSing where he is right now for the season at 753, you take that because that's probably about league average, maybe a little bit above depending on uh, positionally how that breaks down, but that's fine if he's your number seven, number eight batter. He was batting number seven tonight. He plays gold glove caliber defense. You, you would take that from Harrison Bader. So would like to see, and the Cardinals would certainly like to see, I should say, him getting back on track at some point here soon. But nevertheless, the majority of the lineup was able to get the job done on Thursday, and that gives the Cardinals a critical win. And look, now you get to go back to kind of having some breathing room again because you remember over the last week it was all sunshine and roses when you played the Royals and Pirates. Well, guess what? The Pittsburgh Pirates come into town on Friday, Another opportunity to take them on. And then next week, it'll be the Cardinals and Tigers Tuesday, Wednesday for a quick series before the Cardinals play the Pirates again, that time heading back to Pittsburgh. And that'll be for a longer four-game series. So a lot going on for the Cardinals in the next week, 10 days. And guess what? It's a stretch of baseball that should be another opportunity for St. Louis to make some noise, to creep up in the standings. Because again, you play these teams, I mean, at this point, their next nine games, seven of them, if I've done my math correctly, are against the Pittsburgh Pirates. That You win five of those games while sleeping, especially if the Cardinals played the way they did the most recent stretch against bad teams. And then you split with the Tigers, that's six out of nine. They could honestly end up doing better than that. We just saw them go eight of nine in a similar stretch. Tigers are a little better. They gave the Cardinals some some trouble the last time they played them in Detroit. So got to keep that in mind. But in general, two losing teams, and one of them is an extra special losing team. And so six out of nine, I don't think that would be too much to ask for at all. And where would that put the Cardinals? But seven games over 
And I would imagine, you know, that the, the way you're seeing the, the Reds play about 500 baseball lately and the Padres play well below that mark, I would imagine that six and three in their next nine would actually give the, the Cardinals a little bit more gained ground and, and maybe they go even better. They go on another eight out of nine. And if they do that, they could be right in the mix at the end of this. And that's when you got to get serious about, you know, ending up playing some better teams and that is going to come. But for the Cardinals right now, I think that the task at hand just has to be focused on what's in front of you, and they've done a pretty good job of doing that. This was not the ideal series against the Brewers, but again, you knew it was going to be tough, and the reality, maybe maybe it just sets in that you're a little overmatched if you have to play the, the Brewers in a long series. They might be a little better than you. They're, they're deeper at pitching. Now again, Freddie Peralta is part of the reason for that, and he goes on the injured list today with the shoulder discomfort that he experienced on Wednesday, and so that maybe changes the dynamic of their team a little bit. And you do put together an impressive showing against one of their better starters, and you score eight runs, and you, you compile ten hits, and that was a, an outburst that the Cardinals really, I think they needed that for their confidence going back into a stretch of winnable games. That was good to see for sure. Didn't get into the pitching yet for the Cardinals. We mentioned John Lester as the starter. Um, I would say he's pretty easily, if you're you're ranking them, the Cardinals' number five starter right now. We've just seen much more consistency out of Jay Happ than we have Lester, and tonight Lester was unable to get through five. He just has not been much of a workhorse. He's not too efficient, and so that causes him to end up throwing too many pitches and not be able to go as deep into games as you'd like to see. 89 pitches and four and a third tonight. Gives up just the six hits, which is not overwhelming. The three walks kind of come back and hurt him a bit as he gives up four runs in the game. They all come in that fourth inning. Things were moving along pretty well until the fourth, and then he was not able to get out of the fifth. Ends up conceding to Junior Fernandez, who throws two pitches, gets the double play ball to get out of that fifth inning, and ends up being the winning pitcher because the Cardinals went on their outburst in the bottom of that fifth inning where they reclaimed the lead and were able to be off to the races from there. So Junior Fernandez, his first career major league win after getting the recent recall earlier this week from Memphis, He's a winner and had the whole laundry cart experience after the game. Said that some of the guys were kind of asking, like, was that your first? Did you have, did, did he, hey, did he have one? And they kind of figured it out that tonight was his first. And so what they do for the guys on their first uh, major league win, you get in the laundry cart and then they spray you with a bunch of stuff. I don't know what, but a bunch of stuff. That's the way it went for Junior Fernandez tonight. And uh, I saw Jeff Jones posted this. And I think it's pretty relevant and just makes you feel for Johan Oviedo, who has thrown, you know, however many 1,500 pitches or whatever in the big leagues. Still can't find that first win. Junior Fernandez, now again, Junior has thrown more pitches in the big leagues than than he did tonight. But it just took him two to be able to get, you know, the monkey off his back for that first major league win. Johan, that day's going to come for you too, buddy. It's just, it's not today because he's still down at Memphis. But then the rest of the bullpen, got to talk about this group that's continuing to do a nice job. You had Cabrera and Gallegos come into pitch, and goodness gracious, it seems like Gallegos, this must have been his 95th appearance of the season, and the Cardinals have played more than 95 games, but, you know, not by a huge margin. They've played, uh, let's check the math, 120 on the season. So yeah, 95, that sounds about right. It's not the actual number, but it, it sure seems like it sometimes. Would love to see them be able to get an off day for him today, but it just didn't happen. And you win the game and only eight pitches for Gio, seven strikes, really efficient outing for him. So all's well that ends well, but sure would like to be able to see him be a little more rested and not 
be ground down to the to, to the bone to dust uh, before the end of September. Cardinals have definitely ran him a little bit hard, but they've had to, right? Because the other options at the bullpen for Mike Schilt have not been satisfactory for the majority of this season. However, they're starting to find a mix with Luis Garcia and TJ McFarland. Those two guys both throw scoreless innings this evening. McFarland actually gets the final out in this one. Not a safe situation. You're able to save Reyes, who obviously uh, probably unavailable tonight after the, the two innings that he pitched last night on, on Wednesday in that loss when they blew it in the extra innings. Don't have to talk about that anymore. Let's talk more about McFarland though. 2.25 ERA now for the Cardinals. He's just been really solid. Another option that you can consider in that, you know, you've got the A squad, but then he was more on the on the B squad. And I think Luis Garcia as well, 3.68 ERA now. He's on a scoreless inning streak of his own. Genesis Cabrera came in and, and continued his. Looked really good as well. The whole bullpen was really solid tonight for the Cardinals. You end up having a little bit more asked of them when your starter only goes four and a third. So they pick up the other four and two thirds, and they do not allow a run. They do not allow a hit, and they do not allow a walk between Fernandez, Garcia, Cabrera, Gallegos, and McFarland. So pretty impressive stuff from guys who, you know, besides Cabrera, Gallegos, the other three have really been godsends for the Cardinals. Not so much Junior because he just returned from Memphis, but Luis Garcia and TJ McFarland have been huge for this team over the last few weeks. And if that can continue down the stretch, that suddenly gives the Cardinals a different dynamic because Mike Schultz talks about it any chance he gets. The fact that good teams, the best teams, the the teams that have a chance to make it far when you get to October and to, first of all, find their way into October to begin with, they've got those guys in the bullpen that you can trust in the, the non, you know, 7th, 8th, nine leading by one to two runs situations. You've got other guys that you're going to have to go to. And sometimes you're going to be in those situations where it would be like a save spot. But the guys that went the night before, they just can't go again today. And so it's going to be up to you. If Garcia and McFarland can be part of that group, and we've seen Andrew Miller be used a little bit more recently. He hasn't been quite as effective, but still a veteran that's been there before. You can start to see this Cardinals bullpen really taking shape and rounding into form as a formidable unit down the stretch. So if that can continue, the Cardinals are going to have kind of another weapon, another trick up their sleeve to be able to say, hey, this is a way we can win games, remain in close games, and that gives confidence, as we've talked about in the past, to your offense, to your hitters that can know, hey, we're not out of it because we know that we're down by two runs, three runs in the middle innings, but we know that the guys that are coming in, it's not hopeless. Like This is a situation where we can call back, scratch our way back into a game, and that can end up looking pretty good. So, I, you got to like where the Cardinals are. I understand they didn't win this series, but as you maybe shift your focus a little bit more toward wild card possibilities, they in the division. And look, we can talk about the the merits of how the Cardinals could perform in a one game playoff. That looks to be the the ceiling at this point, right? You got to find your way through, get into the wild card, and, and somehow go out and, and beat maybe the Dodgers if they don't surpass the Giants in the NL West. So that's going to be a tall task. I get it. But you got to get there first. And so if you kind of shift your attention toward that end and recognize the schedule is out there for the remainder of August for the Cardinals to make moves to where they can enter September legitimately, potentially in a wild card spot. Like they could be neck and neck with whether that's the Reds or the or the Padres. It's all before them to be able to do that. And so they escape this Brewers series without 
losing all the games and losing every shred of momentum that they had coming in. That's a positive. It could have been better. It should have been better. But even that fact kind of maybe gives you some confidence to know that they experienced maybe the worst loss of their season on Wednesday. They came back and won it on Thursday. And back on Tuesday, yeah, they got shut out by Corbin Burns. That's going to happen. But they had Adam Wainwright give them a really good start, and they only lost by two. So, like, they're in these games. They're playing competitive baseball. They haven't played their cleanest baseball necessarily. Certainly that was not the case on Wednesday. But they're doing enough to make you think, yeah, you know, like, I can see it. I could I could see a path and see how it's maybe different than it had been. There's some things to be excited about for the Cardinals. They're going to continue to have to get that good starting pitching. Like, Jay haps going to have to continue to go Cardinals devil magic on everybody and say, yep, now that I'm a Cardinal, by the way, I'm good again. So that's all That's all well and good. Jack Flaherty's been aces. Wayno's been aces. Uh, you, you, we'll see if they get... With the block back, we'll see if they get any reinforcements in the way of Miles Michaelis, who will be pitching over the weekend against the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's going to be an interesting game tomorrow as Miles will make his debut on Friday. It'll be Michaelis, Hap, and Wainwright as the Cardinals line their pitching up for the weekend. That could be another sweep. I mean, the way Jay Hap has been pitching, you should have some confidence right now in the way he's been going. Wainwright is Wainwright and facing the Pirates at home. I don't know if you can come up with a better situation for that guy having a great season as he approaches his 40th birthday later this month. It'll be Miles Michaelis that's kind of a wild card on Friday. But if you get kind of vintage Miles Michaelis where he goes six and a third and gives up three runs and keeps you in a game where you're leading five to three or something, that's exactly what the Cardinals need to see tomorrow. Again, I don't know what kind of pitch count they're going to put him on, if they're going to let him go to the quintessential levels of Miles Michaelis because it's been a long road back for him and he has not been healthy able to pitch in a major league game in a couple of years now at this point. And so I think they are going to be pretty careful with him. But if he could give you a quality start, be efficient with his pitches, that would be what you'd like to see from Miles Michaelis. And really more than anything, have him get through the game healthy to where you could say, okay, this is a guy that we can potentially rely on down the stretch, a fresh arm to come in and be able to shoulder some of the load. That'd be valuable for this Cardinals team. So we'll see how Miles does on Friday. I'm very interested to see him pitch live at Bush Stadium Friday night. I'll be interested as well to see what the, the the crowd looks like. I was not actually at the game tonight. I had my bowling league uh, start up. Did not perform as well as I would have liked out on the lanes. Uh, 562 is my series, and it was the first night, so that means my average is 187, and I was over 200 back when I bowled league in high school. So I need to get the average up, and uh, Miles Michael is hoping he can get his average down, the earned run average. I guess it can only go up, though, for him because it's it's at, like, nothingness. It's not at zero. It's at, like, infinite. No, I guess it is zero. So, yeah, it can only go up. Well, he's going to hope to keep it there at zero. But uh, Cardinals will forgive him if he can't. If if it's 1.5 because he goes six innings, gives up one run, I don't think the Cardinals are going to complain about that tomorrow. But uh, we'll be interested to see what the weekend crowd does look like. I was just saying I wasn't there tonight, so I don't know exactly what it looked like in the building. I know that it was definitely concerning on Wednesday, and I was surprised by the lack of crowd on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then, of course, Jack Flaherty, as we talked about at length on yesterday's podcast, uh, had something to say about that as well. If you missed yesterday's podcast, I know it might be a little bit of a downer coming off of a really good win for the Cardinals on Thursday, but like I always like to say, when they followed up with a big win, it's okay to go back and listen to the last B-Shaped Daily if you missed it because you don't have as much to worry about. Like, you can listen to it with a clear mind to say, ah, don't worry, they've they've won since this, 
it's okay. It's not doom and gloom anymore. So go back and check out that episode, though, because there was some interesting tread lines to talk about regarding Jack Flaherty, regarding the crowds, and things of that nature. So just going to be interested to see what it looks like over the weekend, but uh, I do recommend going back and listening to that episode from yesterday. I do mention about the fact that I need a new laptop, and it didn't actually happen on Thursday. It needs to happen soon, though. I'm very surprised in a pleasant way, knock on wood, we're, we're nearing the end of this episode, that I was able to get through it on the old laptop and no issues. So uh, if it sounds like a, a hyena or something happens in the middle and the audio, audio quality sucks, I apologize for that, but I'm not going to fix it because, again, I, I, I've stayed up too late to facilitate this, and so uh, I'm a bounce. I'm on a bounce. But hey, make sure to subscribe to Be Shaped Daily if you've not done so already. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Three great locations. Very convenient. Do it from your phone. It's awesome. Subscribe to Be Shaped Daily and you'd be the best. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Be Shaped Daily. Peace!